Okay, so today's episode is literally just things Scott has seen on the internet about the Detroit Tigers in the last, like, seven days. That's what today's show is. I'm just addressing a ton of stuff. Let's talk about Bally. Let's talk about third base. Let's talk about Torkelson. Let's talk about prospects. A bunch to go over all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All righty. We are back. So as I said in the cold open, today's episode is literally just going to be talking about stuff I've seen online about the Tigers. They haven't done anything in the last couple of days to really garner like an entire segment, nonetheless an entire show of conversation, but there's a lot of stuff that has happened in the last six or seven days. They're like small things that we haven't talked about because they're small things. So really just a, a seven or eight really small things I've seen, discourses, discussions, articles, whatever, about the Tigers. Okay, so first off, I think that this one is kind of the most pressing as it stands right now for a good reason, not a bad reason. Uh, but it's the most recent thing to happen at the time of this recording. Uh, the Bally Sports crew has expanded as they are bringing in Cameron Maven and Todd Jones, the roller coaster baby. They also earlier in the offseason got rid of Jack Morris. Uh, I really don't have anything to say about Jack Morris. They Jack they let Jess, Jack Morris go. Um, I, I'm not – whatever. Like I, I, I don't really have anything to, to add about that. But I do think that Cameron Maven and Todd Jones are fantastic additions to this broadcasting crew. Uh, Cameron Maben, if you've watched a Yankee game in the last year, has done been doing a fantastic job on Yes Network. He comes in. Uh, Todd Jones is also just like, who doesn't love Todd Jones? Todd Jones is the man, fan favorite from a great era, and I can't wait to see what he does either. It sounds like as far as their roles, Shep is still play-by-play, and Petrie is still going to have a pretty prominent role as like a color commentator, but it also sounds like Simo is getting a huge step up in role. So it sounds like he's going to be one of the like go-to analysts this season as well, whether it's color commentary or whether they, I don't know if they're going to do a three-person booth. I don't know the plan, but it sounds like Petrie and Simo are both going to be pretty prominent uh, in the color commentary area of the broadcast crew. And then we already talked about Shep. And it sounds like Maben and Jones are going to be kind of a – and by the time you hear this recording, it might have already – more info might have already come out. You may already know by the time you're listening to this kind of what their roles are. But it sounds like they're going to be doing a lot of pre- and post-game stuff, which is fine. I, I, again, they crushed it. Uh, maybe they'll go mid-game to some of them. Like I, I kind of drew the similarity to like what Jimmy Howard does for Bally for the Red Wings. Like he's not in the booth or anything, but 
He is uh, he's a newer addition. He's doing some pre and post game work, doing some intermission work, stuff like that. So I think that this is a great addition. Is basically just what I want to say. Uh, not too much of anything, anything else. Just fantastic, a plus, good move, Bally. I know the Bally's had some some rumors about bankruptcy and whatnot. So who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm not a expert on on the company of Bally Sports, the the network itself. Uh, however. I do know that this is a, a great trade-off and just great additions in general. So we'll gladly take it. The other thing I wanted to discuss was the Tigers' schedule the first couple of months of the season, okay? It's, it's rough. I'm not going to lie to you. And I know that there's a lot of frustration because the Tigers have gotten off to really slow starts in the last two years. And seeing a really tough schedule in April and early May that the cutoff is like right after May 15th because they end May with Pittsburgh, Washington, Kansas City, Chicago, White Sox, and Rangers. That like none of those, there's a chance that all of those teams are under 500 next year. Uh, A chance. I think it's going to happen, but a chance. The first month and a half, however, is absolutely brutal. Let's just read it off. Okay. In order. You start with Tampa, then it's Houston, Boston, Toronto, San Francisco, Cleveland, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Baltimore again, the Mets, St. Louis, Cleveland, Seattle. That is your opening day through May 15th. That is your schedule. That's rough. And so I just wanted to get out ahead of it, really. It is the only reason I'm bringing it up. Like I, I tweeted that out uh, January 25th, so a little over a week ago when it started getting some people talking about the early schedule and whatnot. I just wanted to get ahead of it because I know that there's going to be, oh my goodness, we can't play in April. That's three years in a row we've gotten off to a slow start. This is the worst. If we do get off to a slow start, yeah, it will be the worst, and that will suck, and it will be the third year in a row. But at least this year, it's, hey, look, They had a brutal schedule. And I I guess my point is just let's play it by year, you know? Let's just see how the team looks. If they're losing every game by eight and the offense is dreadful again, that's one thing, right? That's okay, yeah. Like, this is clearly same story third year in a row. But if they look decent and are losing close ball games and are a little more competitive than we expect and, and the offense isn't dreadful, that's really the biggest thing. Because the pitching was never really the problem last year as a whole. If the offense doesn't look dreadful and, and they hang around in some of these games and maybe even steal a series or two, I don't I, I don't need them to have, you know, an eight hundred winning percentage through the midway point in May to be like, haha, like proved everybody wrong. Look, they got off to a good start and everyone thought they were gonna get off to a bad start. I just need not like what is the record we've hit two years in a row, like nine and 21 or nine and 28 or whatever it is. Like, I just need not that. I just need some semblance of like competitive baseball being played in the first month and a half. Okay. So I just wanted to jump out ahead of that one, really, is all I wanted to do. Um, next up, I, I, let's talk about Hitton Harold for just like a hot sec. Hitton Harold hits a. Just beautiful walk-off home run. And to, like, a big game. Like, I think it was to win the league, if I'm not mistaken. But he's actually had a few. 
Uh, he's like several walk-off home runs and like big moment home runs as well in the last month uh, down south. So like good for him. Good for him. Doesn't change, shouldn't change anyone's opinion of Harold. Much different league, uh, much different competition, but very, very cool and very happy for him. For those who don't know, Harold is on a minor league contract with an invite to spring training via the Colorado Rockies. I think he might be able to do some damage there. Obviously, there's the, oh, look, the air is thinner, like whatever. But what people don't talk about in Coors, and one of the most one of the more underrated factors as to why it's a hitter's park is not just the thin air. It's the gaps are giant. That outfield is wide. That is a huge outfield, huge. And so, yes, like the ball travels further and you can hit more homers out there and it's Coors and ha, ha, ha. But that is a a doubles factory if you don't have home run power. And I think that I don't know if Harold's going to make the team out of camp. I don't know what the Rockies spring training roster looks like or whatnot, but I would reckon that he's going to get some playing time at the major league level this year. And I, he could really flourish there just by dumping the ball over the second baseman's head repeatedly and just find himself on second base. I'm really, I'm happy for Harold. Um, I, I still think it's very much the right decision to let him go, but uh, I will always root for Harold. He gave us a lot of cool moments over the last couple of years. Okay, let's uh, keep going down the list. Again, this is just like things I've seen on the internet about the Tigers in the last seven days. So let's keep going down the list. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. We're all really pumped about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel, and if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports easy and fun. You can download FanDuel now so you can get the Super Bowl 57 no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back, three grand in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line, the point spread, who will score a touchdown, Look, the Super Bowl is the most bet-on sporting event of the year. They're going to have some really cool props, odds, just the best in the business. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. It's secure, it's safe, it's super easy to use. And the best part is you get your money instantly. If you win, you get your money. No waiting till the next day, no anything like that. Instant winnings in your account. It's awesome. So join FanDuel today at the FanDuel.com slash Lockdown website to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Segment two here, Lockdown Tigers. I just hit my lip like really hard when I was taking a drink of water there in the break. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. And he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay, let's talk turkey. Let's just keep doing, going down this list. What else do I got? Uh, Spencer Torgelson. Been seeing a lot of Torgelson discourse online over the last really off season, but especially it's picked up a little bit more in the last week or so. There's been some articles written about him and whatnot. Um, so here's where I stand on torque and we will do a full 
breakdown of Spencer Torkelson, what he struggled with last year, what we can expect out of him this season before the season starts. Okay. Well, you will get that episode. It's going to happen. We're going to do that and try and do that with every single person on the roster. All right. But what I'll say right now is I think that there are some people that are running before we're walking. And I still very much believe in Torkelson. And I know that some people don't already. And some people are already out on him and he sucks and whatever. And that's fine. I still believe in the talent. My thing is, I think, like I said, I think we're running before we're walking in some regard. Batted ball data does not matter if you're not consistently putting the ball in play. And he did not do enough with balls in the strike zone to garner or or for me to consider it being consistently putting the ball in play. Uh, And it's not, he doesn't have crazy high strikeout numbers. He doesn't have crazy high swing and miss numbers. But he was very passive, took a lot of pitches, a lot of pitches, was even too passive. We talked about it at nauseam last year, right? So his batted ball data is not bad, and that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad that he is hitting the ball hard relatively, especially in his second stint when he was up in the majors. I'm very happy about that. That's a good sign. And I still believe that this organization and him will develop a good product and and he will be a solid big leaguer. But we need to just have him square up pitches down the middle before we go anywhere else. The way too many swings and misses on balls right down the middle and way too many either pop-outs to right field or ground balls to, to third base on balls that were literally right down the middle. He needs to – his run value on four-seam fastballs was negative eight last year. That's brutal. His run value on – when you take a look at where pitches are, like just where they are location-wise, not the type of pitch, whatever, just – in general, where the pitch is located, the heart of the plate pitches run value for Torgelson last year was negative 11. And the shadow pitches, the could-be strikes, could-be balls, kind of fringe pitches, was negative 27. And again, it's not that he was swinging and missing at all of those. He was taking a lot of them, especially the shadow pitches. And then the balls that were comfortably balls, he was a massive plus in run value-wise. And the chase pitches that were like so far out of the plate, they weren't even considered. He was also massive pluses in. So the walk numbers are fine. The whiff numbers are fine. The strikeout numbers are fine. The batted ball data is fine. You can look at all of that and be like, look, this is not that bad. And you'd be right. But let's just consistently hit pitches right down the middle. If you were to break the strike zone into nine sections, let's just focus on consistently. And this isn't even just a Torgelson thing. Remember when we faced Joe Ryan last year, twice? And both times, he basically just threw 110 four-seam fastballs down the middle and dominated us both outings. This is the entire roster. This is something that everyone sucked at last year, but we're just talking about Torgelson because that's the, the, the arguments and debates I've seen online about him. Let's just focus on consistently squaring up 
fastballs down the middle of the plate. Before we get into what can he do with pitches in the shadow areas, what can he do with like breaking balls, how hard is he hitting pitches in certain areas, is he consistently hitting the ball hard, all pitches combined, right? I, I, I just, I want to crawl before we walk, before we run. I'm hoping at some point in the season we can have those conversations about what he can do offensively and what he can continue to improve on. But for right now, I just want to see consistently hitting pitches literally right down the middle. And again, I think he will do it. I think he'll make adjustments. But just a lot of arguments about like Torgelson's batted ball data and how, you know, and and all that stuff. And I, I think we just need to realize that, yes, it's important. But it's only like there are some players that have really solid batted ball data, but don't put the ball in play. And I'm not saying Torgelson's to like that extreme. I'm not saying he's like Joe Adele or anything like that, but let, let's, let's crawl before we walk. That's all I'm saying. I've used that analogy 19 times. I'm sorry. Okay. That's all I have to say about Torgelson. Like I said, we'll do a deep dive on him uh, later in the off season, but I've just been seeing a lot of debates about him from a lot of different people. And I just want to throw my two cents out there. Um, next up, we have Keith Law in his ranking of the Tigers farm system being dead last. I don't have too much to say on this. Keith Law's obviously has been doing this a very long time and is pretty well respected. Um, and, and you can go check the list out himself. Go check the list out yourself and, and whatnot. But I, just like the Tigers aren't the worst farm system in baseball, in my opinion. Like they just aren't. So I don't really have too much else to add on to that. Uh, This farm system took a massive step forward developmentally last year. Uh, Maybe the biggest step forward as far as the player development goes in my entire lifetime. And so I, I just, I, I don't agree with this whatsoever. And again, that that's like not a slight on the author or anything. Like he, again, he's been doing this for a long time and a lot of people, uh, really respect his work very greatly, but uh, I just I can't see any way in which the Tigers have the worst farm system in baseball. And, and it added to the fire. And like Thursday, everybody was like, "Oh, look, we're terrible!" And like, this is not the worst farm system in baseball. And there's a lot of kids that are going to be up in the next twelve to twenty-four months that you should be rightfully very excited about. So uh, I would not agree with that. I guess is my point. That's all. Don't really have too much else to say. Just we're not, we're not 30th. Okay. The, oh, I have three more things I want to talk about. Let's do them after the break. We'll, we'll get into the last three right after this. All right. Welcome back. Third and final segment here. Locked on Tigers. So uh, just talking about things I've seen on the internet about the Tigers in the last week. Uh, Jamer Candelario was one that kind of resurfaced a little bit and there was some, some articles written and it was talked about a little bit, you know, is Jamer, is the decision to not keep Jamer something that the organization like should still stand by or that you still agree with? I 100% still would have let Jamer Candelario walk. I do not understand the late pushback very much at all in this one. Um, now look, that's not to say, let's make this crystal clear. 
Jamer Candelario might put up a better season than anybody that plays third base for the Detroit Tigers this year. I will 100% admit that right now on February 3rd, 2023. We'll get that out of the way, okay? It might happen. And it's not like that far-fetched even, right? But I personally don't view... Jamer Candelario as a long-term option at third base for a super competitive baseball team. He's going to be playing third for the Washington Nationals this year. Like he got non-tendered. It wasn't even like he was a free agent that didn't get brought back. Like at the end of the day, he's had two good seasons in six years, five years. One of them was a 60 game season. And the other isn't the most recent season. So he's had two good years. One of them was uh, was a 60-gamer. And the other one is two years removed. Like his most recent year was, was brutal. One of the worst years of his career. So while I, I fully understand Jamer's profile, and I completely agree with the fact that he might put up a better season than the Tigers' third base options in 2023. I still 100% agree with the decision to let him walk because looking long-term, I think that we are in a position now where we are setting ourselves up to try and find the next long-term third base option that is younger, has more team control, isn't about to be a free agent, and most importantly, just flat out has a higher ceiling than Jamer Candelario. And, and I I love Jamer. The 2021 season he had was great, right? Doubles machine, all fantastic. But I, I think that we are taking steps to find a more solidified, higher ceiling, consistent solid option at third base for the future. And I think you can be mad all you want that they didn't bring in a third base free agent, but there's going to be a lot of youth that's going to get a legitimate look at third base. And we're going to have a, a, hopefully a much clearer picture about who the future third baseman for this baseball team is at the end of 2023 and bringing Jamer Candelario back. I don't think would have helped that situation. Because I don't think that the answer is Jamer Candelario or really has been Jamer Candelario in somewhere between 12 and 16 months. Make sense? Cool. Next up, we have uh, Talking Baseball put out a tweet that said Javi Baez had a two and a half baseball reference war, B war, for the Tigers last season. And that was in the entire history of the Detroit Tigers. That was the lowest team-leading B-War that we have ever had. Um, that, A, makes sense to me on all, all accounts. Because even if you think of the horrible teams in Tigers history, like 2003, people forget Dimitri Young raked in 2003. That team lost 119 games because that is legitimately, and I'm not exaggerating, the worst pitching staff I think I've ever seen in my life. And it might be unmatchable at how bad of a pitching staff it was. That is one of the worst pitching units in the history of this beautiful game and certainly is probably the worst in the history of the Detroit Tigers. But 
And, and the offense wasn't good. Like, they almost lost 120 games. I'm not trying to make it sound like the offense was great and it's all the pitching's fault. Like, no, the offense was brutal too. But Dimitri Young was like a deserved all-star. Like, he put up monster, monster numbers. But an OPS in the 900s for a large majority of the season. So when you're thinking of the really bad teams, like 2019, like, I, I mean, Nick Castellanos had a had a good start to that season. Obviously, he didn't finish the year. Uh, Shane Green had a really good start, didn't finish the year. But that was like the good Matthew Boyd season as well. Like, when, when you're thinking of the bad teams, you, there's at least usually one player that you're like, oh, they had a pretty good year. And last year, that just didn't really happen. The only players that you thought of that, for last year's Tigers team were either players that got hurt and didn't get to play enough by the end of the season to have a high enough war total, or they were relievers and relievers and war just like, isn't a recipe for a high number. Relievers don't put up three, four war seasons. So yeah, it makes sense. And it's something that we talked about a lot last season. What was the thing that I constantly complained about? I got a bad review one time. Because someone said that I was just complaining too much about this exactly. And it was the fact that I was just begging for a two-win player. And apparently I complained about it too much, but that's fine. I stand by it. Just begging for a two-win player. You know how many other teams are just, I don't want to say anybody's filled unless you're like the Dodgers with two-win players, but... Two wins is not something you like write home about and you're like, oh my goodness, this is this is gonna be really impressive. Like a, a two-win season. We're pushing all our chips in on this kid. Like he's the future of the franchise. Like that's just the solid above replacement level everyday ball player. And our leader in B war last year. I like Fangraph's war better, but like the point remains the leader in B war was a, a two and a half win player. With just a whole lot of replacement level talent last year. And hopefully that changes this year. And that's kind of the last thing we'll end on this. The last thing I have written down here is the amount of people I have seen online this entire off season. And it's been for whatever reason, kind of highlighted and, and uh, is being talked about a lot more lately. Maybe it's because baseball season is right around the corner, but all of the like doomsday, like, the Tigers are going to lose 120 games, people. What are we talking about? Like, look, I understand you're frustrated with the offseason, and we were bad last year and did not bring in any free agents. I understand it. I cover the team every day. I, I, I know. I know that that all happened. You have every right. If you want to be frustrated about that, go ahead. Everything that could have possibly gone wrong last year went wrong. Everything. Everything. And they didn't even lose 100 games. So I don't know where people are getting the idea that this is going to be some like catastrophic worst roster in the history of baseball. We're going to lose 120 games nonsense. But like that's what it is. It's nonsense. I think let me let me put it this way. The Tigers last year went 90. Sorry, they went 66 and 96. Right. 66 and 96 record. That is right in the middle ish, almost exactly in the middle between having a win total in the fifties and having a win total in the seventies. 
last year, when everything went wrong, they were closer to a win total in the 70s than they were a win total in the 50s. And the best win total you can have in the 50s is 59 and 103. I think this year the Tigers are, I'm not saying they're going to, but I think they are much closer to a win total in the 70s than in the 50s. I think they're closer to 90 losses than 100 losses. And again, I'm not saying before I hear it, I'm not saying they're going to win, that that they're going to go 72 and 90. I'm not saying they're going to win 75 games. But I I just, it's remarkable to me that with how catastrophic of a failure last season was, we didn't even lose 100 games. And yet the mindset this year is that it's somehow going to get even worse than last year. They might lose 100. They might. They, they, they might lose 100. But this, they're going to lose 107, 112, 115. This might be the worst Tigers team ever nonsense has to stop. Some players won't be as bad as they were last year. They just won't because they can't. Jonathan Scope is going to be better than he was last year. And if he's not, guess what? The roster this year has safety valves all across the diamond. If Jonathan Scope doesn't do well, guess what? There's a plan B, Cesar Hernandez. If he doesn't do well, guess what? There's five prospects that are in a revolving door at third that I'm sure they would love to try out at second. Like there's like third fourth, even fifth options for a lot of positions on this team. They're not going to be caught in the Alavila. Oh, if the top option doesn't work out, we're hosed. And again, I'm I'm not trying to make it sound like this team is going to be like over 500 or even like, again, even have like 72 or 73 wins. I, I would expect them to have a high 60s, low 70s win total. That's where I'm at. I just, I don't understand the logic behind the the doomsday. This is going to be like the worst Tigers team we've ever seen. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it. And it's just people on the internet that are trying to be dramatic. I can appreciate that. You guys call me overly dramatic all the time. That's fine. But I, I, I just, this, like, we're not buckling up for the 03 Tigers here. We're not buckling up for the 2019 Tigers here. There's some talent on this team that either didn't play or had their career worst outlier season last year and either will play or bounce back this year. There you go. That's all I got. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including youtube okay i think that's all i got i appreciate y'all this was kind of a a fun episode just talking about a lot of different stuff just bouncing ideas off each other uh we will be back on monday for our last week of three episodes a week and then after that we go back to five pitchers and catchers start reporting world baseball classic a little bit after that as well it's almost back baby baseball's almost back i'll see y'all on monday peace and love going to therapy's dope I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.